You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network. As we move on through our exclusive third watch recap series, we are well past the halfway point of season three. We are now into episode thirteen. It is called Cold Front. It first aired on the 4th of February, 2002, written by Scott Williams, directed by our bestie Guy Norman B, and it's a very, very interesting episode once again to go through. My name is Ben, and I left that girl wanting more. <laughs> My name's Darvell, and Chick's an expert in the sack, but she has no skill with a pen. Keep getting a random pizza place. Story of my life, Darvell. Story of my life. Um, <laughs> welcome back. It's been a it's been a few weeks. You've been you've been on vacay while we've gotten Brandy back in the seat. So it's good to have you back. Thanks, man. Good to be back. It's um, good to be back, man. You've missed some good ones. Cold. You've definitely missed some good ones though along the way. But uh, you know, I think we're going to make up for that because we've got some good ones to come in the coming two coming few weeks as well. Oh yeah, definitely agree there. And- and Cold Front, appropriate title for this episode and an appropriate time for it to air, too. Yeah, well, uh, February 4, obviously, for you guys uh, over there in the States, very much... Dead uh, of winter. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite for us here. It's kind of dead of summer. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's how the world works. But, yeah, no, I like this episode. I, I kind of... This is one I always... I mean, I always remember this episode because I always remember, oh, the woman frozen in the ground. I remember that storyline. But it's kind of... Um, it's interesting because it's similar to a lot of these episodes that I'm finding that I just forget that they're in the third season. And I think kind of getting a very solid third season, I often forget kind of just along this. And I know you said at the end of last season that this is perhaps your favourite season. You like it better than season two. And kind of so far between yourself and Brandy, none of you have uh, not bought an episode this season. So it'll be interesting to see if you keep this streak going for the next few weeks. And uh, for myself, I've only rented three this season. So as of right now, this season is going better than me overall in season one as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I kind of undersold this season, perhaps, Darvell. You, you, I think, were onto something here when you mentioned that this is a pretty good season. Yeah, although I said that a big part of my big part of the reason why I like it is because of how it because of the focus on nine eleven. Right. That's a big part of the reason I like it. I'm curious, which episodes did you rent? Uh, so I rented Childhood Memories, which, uh, was the first one after, cause you obviously did He Said, She Said with me, but, um, yeah, Childhood mm-hmm. Memories, to me, that was very, uh, that, that was a transitional episode. We had our lovely Nickelback montage at the end and the beginning and sort of, I don't know, there's just something about that episode that kind of really sniffs of later season episode to me and I, I kind of think, like, it's a good episode, but, uh. Uh, I also rented Act Brave, and I also rented Transformed, but uh, everything else I bought, I mean, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, to me, is a top 10 episode. I think that's a brilliant episode. Uh, and I will say, at the end, oh, of, this, yeah. at the end yeah. of this episode, I've actually finally gone through and ranked all my episodes up to this point, so I can tell you where I've even put this episode and some of the other ones along the way. So, um, yeah, I finally got around to doing that. I've been teasing that for a while, but, um, yeah, this season, solidly, has a lot of... Uh, uh, I can say right now that uh, as as of uh, I've ranked them up until the end of Superheroes Part Two. I know I'm kind of two weeks in advance, three weeks in advance as to where we're obviously going to be going in the next couple of weeks. But as of right now, after a grand total of 59 episodes of Third Watch, uh, three season three episodes are in the top ten. So there you go. Nice. And you know, actually, regarding Superheroes Part Two, I was watching that today, and I was thinking because you had said that. Season three kind of has a, a point where 
it kind of goes in the direction of how future seasons are going to go. I was thinking superheroes parts one and two were going to be the episodes that you were going to say kind of. Yeah. Well, that to me actually turned out to be uh, childhood memories because (laughs) there is a, there is an episode with the beginning of it, which uh, it comes a lot later than I'm obviously I'm remembering. It might even be a season four episode. But um, season uh, three, episode seven, childhood memories. Yeah, to me, that's the transitional point. That's that's where we had a, an episode like kind of just how we opened up with the Nickelback montage. To me, that's just smells of like season five, season six. So that was to me kind of like their first real experiment into doing something. We'll get to superheroes part one and part two because um, I think they're very much got a whole element to it, which you could argue was like a season five, season six, where it's very much focused on the job. But there's just so much in the next two weeks after this episode that I, I can't not not like, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah. particularly part one. Part one, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tease about that at the end of this episode because that episode is just wow. Um, but I will say... Um, Especially the last few minutes. Oh, God, yes. I mean, but speaking of the last few minutes, I will say, Darvel, uh, end of last episode, The Long Guns, which I will say is in my top ten currently uh, out of 59 episodes so far. It's a great episode, The Long Guns. Um, the final few minutes of that, we've already, you know, put up and established that that will make the final five at the end of the year with sort of Bosco and Hobart. It's an incredible scene. Uh, I will say, kind of as a teaser, the final few moments of this episode and the final few moments of next episode, to me, should also definitely be in the top five at the end of the year. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Go and ahead. we'll get to that. Yeah, too. no, I was going to say, if you had more to say, please, by all means, talk about it. Because I, I definitely think we've got three <laughs> episodes in a row from last week, this week, and next week that have just such strong endings that really, really deserve like, credit. Doc, Doc and, spoiler, Doc and Jerry yeah. in the last few minutes of this episode. Yep. My God. When we get to that, I mean, that was actually, <laughs> um, we discussed this all fair, the I actually wanted to use something that Doc says to Jerry as my quote, mm-hmm. but apparently it was too long. Well, I think kind of just, you know, we're, we're getting some really long ones here, and it's great that you're sort of transcribing them and getting ready to use, but, uh, you know, as it is right now, we've already spent a good six minutes talking about this episode without talking about it, so, um, you know, we'll probably still be reading your quote yeah. right now, Darvel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Okay. Um, All right, but jumping yeah, into cold front. We'll get into this, but it's interesting to kind of note at the end of next week, I feel that we've already got four out of our five best moments already locked in after we kind of have had one a few episodes ago with Jimmy and Kim, and now we're going to have three in a row here, but uh, that's obviously going to come in our season three conclusion episode. But yeah, cold front, um, we pretty much start off already with Taylor and Davis getting a bit freaky in bed. Why not? Um, well, there it may be cold outside, but it's hot in there. This is obviously the big theme of this episode, that it's very cold, uh, given that they're expecting it to be like 10 below and i'm gonna just obviously assume that that's 10 below in fahrenheit not even uh good old celsius that i'm right. used to uh, <laughs> which if i just want to type this in that minus 10 fahrenheit is minus 23 in celsius holy crap that's cold um so there you go right. just for us australians on this side of the world who still use the metric system um does it ever get that cold in australia Oh, you'd have to go to, like, the mountains in New South Wales. Um, I mean, kind of, we get places that get in the minuses in the Celsius. Like, we've got, I mean, Tasmania, where I live, is generally the coldest state. Uh, Hobart, my city, you know, we might have a couple of days in the winter where it will go below zero, just kind of, but only, like, minus one, minus two, and it'll be overnight. It's it's rare. 
Um, mm. You know, if you went to the top of the mountain in my city, you know, maybe you'd go to like minus five, minus 10 in Celsius, but um, minus 23, yeah, you'd be hard pressed. Maybe on like Mount Kosciuszko, our tallest mountain. I don't know. We're, we're kind of the opposite <laughs> end of the spectrum. We're going to be like up in the, you know, high 40 degrees Celsiuses when it comes to summer in certain places in this country, which is probably like 120, 130 Fahrenheit or something ridiculous like that. So, um, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I do kind of like the fact that, um, these two are obviously having pretty good sex, but then I just love the way kind of mm-hmm. when they finish and Davis is just like, nice. <laughs> it's just like, what? <laughs> Um, but then, uh, maybe that was all he could get away with saying on network TV. <laughs> well, I kind of think this is kind of the, the bit of the theme with these two in the next few weeks, obviously, is that, you know, they're having pretty good sex, yeah. but, uh, unfortunately on the connection level without that side of things, uh, they aren't really connecting too well outside of the bedroom. So, um, yeah, we'll obviously see that. Meanwhile, Jimmy, of course, Jimmy's won custody of, uh, Joey. So he's got a pick Joey up, demon child from school, and he gets told off by his teacher because he's wearing a um, an FDMY jacket instead of a, a coat, and then he's um, told he's got to pick up uh, from rehearsal from Easter pageant. It was in the newsletter. Um, and then, what newsletter? What rehearsal? Uh, I, I do kind of like when this sort of he's walking um, away with, Jimmy, uh, with Joey, and he's kind of like, do you really want to be in this play? Heck yeah, I'm playing Jesus. Yeah, they got from Jesus. <laughs> I just love the way he I said thought, that. Oh man, <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean, he was he was into it. He he was Chris. Oh gosh, what's his name? Chris. Scott I always forget his Fidel name. Fidel or Christopher Scott. Fidel, yes, something like that. Yeah, Christopher Scott Fidel. That's yeah. it. I think I believe mm-hmm. in his penultimate appearance as Joey, if I'm not mistaken. I think we have established that. Um, given a few more episodes and no more Demon Child. Uh, it is yes, his penultimate uh, appearance. He'll only be in one more episode as Joey, and then he's no longer in Third Watch. So, um, there you go. Are you, are you starting to miss him already, little old demon child, Darvell? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say he's as much demon child anymore. Mm, true. Because, because things have, things are, you know, they're, they're calming down with Kim and Jimmy. And that was really what led to him being, as we called him last season, demon child. You know, he was reacting to the tension between his parents. There isn't that so much now. So maybe he's mellowing out too. I don't know. Yeah, very good point. And the last episode, I do actually remember him in the last episode because that is the uh, the second part of the ER spinoff. So um, uh, the the not spinoff um, crossover. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, oh, I thought that, I thought it was 233 days. No, no. His his last his last appearance is un, in Unleashed. So uh, that's him. That's him. Oh, okay. So little old Christopher Scott Fidel. You're um you're off to uh, your big blossoming career of nothing, um, <laughs> because as we've established a few times before, he's basically only in one more. Uh, he's in something called Fortunes, which I'm guessing is a movie. Uh, in 2005, sounds and, like it. And then that's it. Nothing more. He's he's gone off to be a demon child with his real parents or something. Um, but we kind of like cross back um to uh Kim. Showing up to uh, work. I, li- I like Kim in a little beanie. I think I don't know if you were on the episode when we talked about Yokus in a beanie, um, but now we've got Kim in a beanie, so looking good. A what? Uh, like, what do you guys call beanies? Like, you know those little things that you put on your head that are kind of like knitted and you've got little um, pom-pom thing on the Scarves. Top? No, 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 no. You put them on your head, not scarves. 
Um, oh, oh yeah, right. Those go around your neck. I'm sorry. Um, um, I think I think Canadians call them toques. I think. Um, if um, I'm not mistaken. Oh my gosh. Put them on your head. Hang on, I'm going to Google this shit. I need to find out what Americans hats, call them. Hats, maybe? I don't know. There's, 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 Winter hats? Are, Winter yeah, caps? Maybe. I, I know there's there's a word for it. Because, yeah, I know I've had this discussion with Canadians before, and they call them, like, toques. Um, or something like that. So, let's see here. According to Wikipedia, uh, in parts of... Oh, seamed cap? In parts, and the, in parts of Canada and the United States, a beanie refers... To a head-hugging, brimless cap with or without a visor. Seamed beanies are made from triangular sections of cloth joined by a button at the crown. Uh, in, order, in other English-speaking countries and parts of the US and Canada, a beanie is a knitted cap known in parts of the United States as a stocking cap or beanie. And in Canada, as, yes, a, and yes, Canada yes. as a toque. Yeah, I knew they were called a toque in Canada. Um, so, there you go. Do you know what I'm talking about now? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I do. I just I hope all our other American listeners in the last <laughs> few weeks and I keep mentioning like uh you know, Yokus as beanie, like going, What's he talking about? What's a beanie? Um <laughs> And all the Canadians like, I love oh, it's a really exaggerated American accent. <laughs> hey, it's one accent I can generally get away with and actually do. Um <laughs> so... Hey, I'm not hating on you. Good. I'm you're not you're on the you, only brother. one, Darbell. Thank you for that. It means a lot to me. Um, <laughs> so Kim shows up, everyone's talking about extra layers because it's going to be a cold one. And I kind of like, you know, Kim, I think she's talking to Taylor, isn't she? But she's like, oh, let's only take inside calls today. Um, yeah. but then, then we get, uh, Carlos. Oh, blessed little Carlos. It's oh, man. Been a couple of episodes ago. Can't since write. He can't, can't write his number. He's a couple of episodes since he obviously hooked up with Tammy. You missed, that was a great episode. Um, but he's there and he's... Oh, I watched it, but... Yeah, oh, right, oh, right. Okay, that's good. I'm glad you're keeping yeah. up with him. But, uh, you know, he's obviously <laughs> written down this number and he keeps getting a uh, a pizza place and he keeps asking people, what does this number look like to you? Is that a seven? Is that an eight? Is that a three? Uh, who's Timmy? Who's Timmy? <laughs> but I, I like it here when, like, he's talking to Doc and he's like, you know, the life-changing, altering sex that I told you about? And he's like, oh, how could I forget? But I do like the fact that it's taken um, Carlos this long to tell him about Jerry. When he's like, oh, did I tell you that I, um, you know, I saw Jerry? Yeah, he was seeing that, uh, that Ryan, uh, kid. Um, which is kind of, you know, like, ooh, plot twist. We obviously had the big plot twist a couple episodes ago. But bum, I, bum, bum. I do love Carlos here when he gets through to the number. He's like, oh, uh, yes, hello. Is this Tammy? <laughs> he's trying to disguise his voice. Oh, it's so funny. Just like random Carlos. Good Carlos stuff in this Oh, uh, yes. Hello, this is Tammy. <laughs> Have you ever done that before? Have you ever, like, you know, been nervous in calling someone? So you're just like, oh, yes, hello, this is Darvell. You don't need to put on the voice. You've already got a nice voice like that, though. Well, no, I don't need to put on a voice. And plus, <laughs> I honestly think I'd be ter- I honestly think I'd be terrible at disguising my voice, too. Because <laughs> it's pretty, if I may brag a little bit, I've been told it's pretty distinctive. Oh, so. it is. No, you're right. It'd be kind of hard. It'd be kind of hard for me to disguise it. You could be like, "Oh yes, hello. Is this Tammy? It's Darvell. How are you?" <laughs> then she'd be thinking I <laughs> ate. I I. She'd be thinking I had lost about uh, twenty years of my life and sounded like a seven year old or something. <laughs> she could be into that. You don't know. Um. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, uh, there's a call. Jimmy's late. Uh, he's obviously struggling. With the whole Joey uh, stuff, and we kind of just get this bit of a scene in the fire engine, you know, Lieutenant Johnson just kind of like, oh, you know, not you're not the only one with the kid. 
Then we've got Dick Prescott. I'm so glad this is like his last episode. You you weren't on the episode a few weeks ago, Davil, where Brandy and I just ripping shit into Dick Prescott. We don't like Prescott. Um, he's like, oh, you took a kid away from his mother. That's not very nice. And it's like, mind your own business. Um, yeah, mind your own business, Prescott, you little shit. No one likes you. Um, <laughs> just... Especially Alex. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, yeah, kind of, you, uh, you were on the episodes, weren't you, when we were talking about Stu with all the Zs, about how they kind of... Uh, yeah, Stu a lot of Zs. Yeah, mm-hmm. randomly introduce these uh, firefighters that kind of go nowhere. I will say, like, the differences that we'll get kind of next week when we get the random police officers, like, with Ross. I mean, Gus is not really random. He's in it for a, a bit of a bit of time. But um, at least kind of <coughs> our random police officers are sort of memorable. Um, whereas, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. do you even, like, come season five, are we even going to remember Prescott? I don't think so. He, he's just a, he's just a douche no. nozzle. <laughs> is that an appropriate terminology, do you think? <laughs> douche nozzle? It is. I just laugh at you saying it all the time. I love that word. I love it. Douche nozzle. It needs to be used more in, in, mm-hmm. in uh, vocabulary out there. Um, mm-hmm. we obviously kind of get a bit of a scene with Kim. She's talking to uh, Taylor about how she wants to rip Jimmy's heart out because you know how she's sort of dealing with it. And then you know, there's kind of just the back and forth here about how they're saying to Jimmy, like, "Oh, you should ask him for some help." And he's like, "Oh, I just took away, took him away from her. I can't, you know, ask for help now." Um, but we just sort of got this accident scene, um, which is just kind of there's been a, an accident. Clearly, that's why it's an accident scene. Ben, good job there. Um, and there's like a power line on the ground and they're having to make it safe. And, uh, I, I love random Lieutenant Johnson to Bosco scene. Like he's a random little oh, yeah. daring. Like, again. Bosco, you call for a tow truck? <laughs> not yet, but I sure I can. And obviously, you know, poor old Bosco is a little bit, uh, not, not too good, which is, uh, kind of, I think, bit, uh, bit understandable considering what happened last week and what's been happening to him recently. Um, but then I, I love Jimmy's kind of like concern for Bosco. What's with him? And Yoko's is like, oh, we've had a bad few weeks. And Lieutenant Johnson, oh, I'll take a number. Um, so, you know, there's a bit with that. So we got yeah. Sully, uh, Sully and Davis, uh, talking about, uh, Taylor. You, you and Taylor. <laughs> the sex is downright freaky. I do not need to know that. Give us that. Well, t- t- that I didn't need to know. There we go. Thank you. Missed that. Tell you, tell you, tell you if old man Angus was still alive. <laughs> Which, this is interesting because, like, I mean, I, I guess this kind of sort of comes into play when these two, spoiler alert, are no longer with each other. Um, I mean, it's never kind of, you know, over the top with it, but... I think kind of it's, it's an interesting little reference here, the way kind of like Sully brings it up. And yeah, as you're right, like saying like, oh, Angus is old school, you know, um, and and Davis is kind of like, well, why is this an issue? You know, and it's like, you, you know, your mind went there. And he's like, well, you know, he's a man of his time. It's like, would you tell your mum about it, about her? And that's kind of a bit of foreshadowing. Um, but I mean, like, yeah. I think the thing that this storyline's done so well, though, is the fact that this is not once have we ever thought about this as a thing, is it? And that's just kind of, I guess, loosely brought up because in a way, them breaking up kind of has a bit to do with the fact that, you know, she's white and he's black, I guess. Oh, it, oh, it does, it does have something, it does have something to do with it. Maybe, it's maybe not the sole reason, but there, there's definitely that element there. Yeah. This whole thing where... You know, where Sully is, you know, saying, it was a man of his time, an old school, 
blue-collar, white man of his time and all that. I mean, I just want to, I just want to say, Sally, just say the guy was a racist, okay? <laughs> just say the guy was a fucking racist. This is this is where I think that but, in the flip side, we, we often talk about how they couldn't get away with things like, you know, today. I think this is the opposite. I think if this was aired today, this is where he would flat out say he was a racist. Like, he wouldn't be afraid to say it, if you know what I mean. Right, right. And, I mean, it's something... Since since I've last been on here, it's something that it's something that I can that I can relate to in a sense because since I've been on here since I've been on here last, I actually started I actually started dating a girl who's Caucasian. Oh, well, first of all, congratulations, yeah, Arvel. You know, yeah. Well, thanks. You're welcome. Thanks, and I mean, it's and it's re- it's really awesome too. But I but I do know that I mean personally, I don't give a fuck what anybody says about it. Nor nor does she. But at the same time, we both recognize that that is something we will have to deal with. Which I think is just... I mean, there I are going to be terrible. people out there who will not like it. I think it's terrible that this is even something that you should have to deal with. I mean, who cares? I mean, you know... Agreed. It doesn't matter at the end of the day what a person looks like. If you're if you're in a relationship with them and you've got enough that you feel there's a relationship with them, then what, who gives a right. shit what color your skin is or what size a person is? Like, whatever. Who cares? Really? But, you know... <laughs> And actually, uh, uh, another friend of mine posted something on our Facebook page, I think, last week, where she was asking, you know, what do people see wrong? What What's the problem with interracial relationships? One guy left a comment. It cracked me up. He was like, he was like, when people stare at him and him and his girl, he just turns to him and says, you like what you see? And they just go on in their merry way. <laughs> like, hey, hey, you must like what you see because you're staring. Now get the fuck out of here and worry about your own relationship if you're in one. I had a conversation with somebody the other day, uh, one of my American friends, and we were just talking about, I don't know, random things. And she was, like, talking about, like, oh, you know, I'm really attracted to, like, um, Arabic men and Hispanic men. And I'm just, I just kind of, like, turned around and said, oh, like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I guess my favorite, my type is, like, I love American and Canadian girls. So she's like, oh, that's, you know, that's not a race. So you just like white girls. And I'm like, no, that's not what I said. I mean, last time I checked, there are, you know, non-white Americans and non-white Canadians. Like, it, it doesn't matter to me what they look like. If I like them and have a connection with them, you know. I mean, I've, I've been with girls of all, you know, race and ethnicity. So it kind of, it, it, it doesn't bother me at the end of the day, as I said, if I've got a connection with them. Yeah. Whether or not that's in my mind or in my pants, that's another story. But, like, I just... <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, it's and, yeah, 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 and I, I think, I think we had this conversation off, off air about, you know, Ty and Alex and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, we're discovering that they don't really have much in common, but I can't help but wonder, just because even now there are people who still get up in arms over it. I can't help but wonder if maybe some viewers back when this episode aired sent letter sent angry letters into NBC and into probably into Ed Bonero and John Wells mm. saying no we don't want to see a black man with a white woman look it's a sad fact of the world Darvel that you would probably assume there would be and, and even if this aired in you know this time when we we're recording this you would assume that there still would be people who would be doing that particularly in Trump's America oh so. yeah um, yeah, and you only have to look at a you only have to look at a Honey Nut Cheerios Super Bowl ad from like three or four years ago to know that people still have a problem with it. And look, I mean, I guess 
gradually as time goes by, it becomes less and less of an issue. And I mean, you know, we've come a long way, but again, it's sadly probably always going to be an issue for some. And this is the thing. I mean, look. Yeah, well, fuck them. To to date this episode, and I've got another way, which I'll date it in just a second too. But um, I mean, here in Australia, we recently finally just made uh, gay marriage legal. Like we had the vote and then it's all just passed through parliament. So it's all done now. Congratulations. All 100% official. Um, But like there are still people that, you know, it doesn't matter what the majority of people in this country say or kind of what the law now says. There are still people who, you know, are just not okay with it. So, and look, I'm same here. And you know what? It's and you know what? You know what? It is. If that's how they want to be, you know, it is their right. But they're missing out. Well, there's a difference between not yeah. agreeing with something and being preachy about it. Like, by all means, like I've got a, ve- right, I've got a right. very, very, very good friend who uh, voted no. He's he's anti-gay marriage, but I mean, he is. He's a religious man. He's he's a Mormon. Not to take that away from him, but like he he's just mm-hmm. like the most decent, nicest guy you will ever meet with. But like, just because he has a viewpoint doesn't change my perspective of him as a person. Because a he doesn't like go around and like putting placards up and saying you know gay is disgusting and like things like that. He just he has a viewpoint and he's respected. He's allowed to have a viewpoint, but he doesn't exactly go out and act on it. If you know what I mean, like he's he's got kids. Like he's right. he's a decent human being. And like this is another thing on the flip side of things that like we saw a lot in this country with this whole campaign is that there are a lot of people who say we're voting no, but then people would just completely like bully and shame them. And like, look, I understand why they're doing that, but at the same time, it's a person's right to have an opinion that doesn't necessarily do it. I'm not saying you go out there and be discriminatory because I don't agree with your opinion, but like if you don't necessarily like something and you just have that viewpoint to yourself, but you go out being an... You know, like, I don't know, there's a line there somewhere that, you know, as long as you're not going out... Like, if you don't like interracial relationships and you're going out there, like, throwing eggs and shit at them as they walk down the street, you're an asshole. But, like, if you were just, like, personally, like, I don't agree with it, but I'm still going to hang out with Taylor and Davis because, you know, they're my friends. I don't necessarily agree with what they're doing, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Like, I think there's a difference there. Yeah, or with... Or or in my my case with me and Jessica. Yeah. That's her name, Jessica. Hello, Jessica. Um... (laughs) <laughs> yep. Um, and yep. Although, um, as as far as we can tell, I mean, no one, no one we know so far has expressed a problem with it. But hey, that's a good thing. Well, that's that's good. a good thing that no one yeah. we know has done that. But we, but again, we recognize that there are probably going to be some random strangers that we pass who are not going to like it. But hey. Yeah. Look, at the end of the we'll day, Darvell, if she makes you happy yep. and you and uh, you know you make her happy, who gives a fuck what other people think? That's a, you know, I amen to that. You know, amen to, to that. I've I've dealt a lot with sort of things like this when it comes to being involved with people that pretty much the majority of people in my life do not think I should be involved in, and I will admit I've lost a lot of those people because they just don't agree with my choices. And well, that's their choice to me. At the end of the day, it shows that maybe they just weren't really my friends in the first place if they can't support my decision. So you know. That's, right. that's how it works. But um, the one thing I want to say to kind of date this episode too, kind of going back to Davis and, and Taylor here, um, I will say at the time of recording this, because I think people by now know that we sort of have recorded these a lot in advance in t- terms of when we're releasing them. Uh, I've just, and you, uh, this is kind of, in a way, a spoiler sort of thing to you, Darvell, because time recording this, I actually only did our Amy Carson interview a couple of days previously, and you haven't even heard it yet, because I actually haven't released it at the time of, it's all complicated here, I, I think I know what people are trying to say, uh, trying to get what I'm trying to say, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, clearly, but, um, I, I brought this whole relationship up to, to Amy, and 
it was it was kind of interesting how like she was like commenting on like, saying like hey look that was a lot of fun you know I got to do this with Kobe but it was kind of it's also interesting that when she was saying that like he's like the sweetest most nicest person in all these scenes and that what made it like really awkward too was the fact that like his wife was like pregnant with twins or something like that and she was just kind of like you know they're like having to do like sexy shower scenes and kind of sex scenes and you know they're trying to be all professional but like here's his wife like on set pregnant with babies so like it's kind of like but it, I just thought it was nice that she kind of said that he's just like the nicest most sweetest like he'd always be like saying like are you okay are you okay so like it's kind of it's interesting to hear that so it's a great interview if you haven't heard it it's time to release this but no no Davo you haven't heard it yet oh no and I, I look forward to I look forward to when you do release it though because I'm interested in hearing her take on Third Watch. I imagine she was excited that someone was finally wanting to talk with her about she, it. She well, yeah, it's, it's very interesting what she sort of discusses in regards to kind of like she actually was she mentions in it that um, she had a, a friend of hers come to New York or something recently and was talking to her about it, and that she's like, oh, you know, it still kind of gets brought up, and she talks to a lot of the. Um, the crew and kind of a few of the cast members and that still too. So, um, yeah, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a good interview. Download now via the Oz network. Um, but anyway, so obviously that, that would be a bit of a thing to kind of play into it in a few weeks time with, uh, with Taylor and Davis, but it's conversation here between Sully and Davis. Now we kind of have this, this is interesting, this scene. So we've got doc on the phone, uh, obviously to Jerry's wife. And then we've got Carlos on the phone as well. Um, you know, trying to get Tammy's number. So I kind of like this editing the yeah. back and forth between the both of them on the phone. Uh, so I've been mean, like with Carlos when he's like saying like, no, you know, I don't want you to give him my number. I just want you to confirm this number. Did I say that slowly enough? Hello? Hello? Uh, <laughs> but then obviously, uh, Doc obviously talking here to Jerry's wife. We, uh, you know, find out like, oh, it's been a while since we've seen each other and yeah, you know, he's working for a lawyer now, is he? Oh, okay. Oh, we, a personal interest? Oh, okay. Um, so kind of... Okay. This is it up. Now, um, here's... And just the way he says that, okay. Yeah. It's the, it's the kind of, it's the kind of, okay, now, you use when you're getting pissed off. Darvel, I've discovered a big, big con- continuity error here, which <clears throat> I actually have never realized before until this time around. Now, I've, 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 I've often mm-hmm. said that Third Watch does not have a thing that does well in terms of continuity in names because Doc's wife, uh, her name changes, of course, uh, by the time he's in the final season to what we've already heard. Now, uh, maybe it's Doc. Maybe it's not the writers of Third Watch. Maybe Doc has a bad memory because he says on the phone, Hey, Kathy, yes, it has been a while. And her name's, and her name's Jamie, Exactly, right? yes. I had to go back to double-check this, but if you go back to the very first, what, like, five episodes to which Jerry's in of the first season and his wife, and we actually meet her. Her name is Jamie. So so does Doc have a terrible memory? Or <laughs> Probably does. <laughs> like, this is, a, this is hilarious. Like, I mean, I, I love Third Watch, and, you know, I love this show, but there's just something, like, so subtle here. Like, they do well in this kind of episode with sort of bringing back things to do with the first season. Like, it's not like they haven't completely forgotten because we get some great stuff with Carlos and Jerry soon as well, talking about the very first episode. Mm-hmm. But, like, this is so simple. <clears throat> this is just, like, a legitimate thing of, like, oh, shit, what was Jerry's wife's name? Oh, somebody quickly go check the tape. Uh, what was the name? And I'm sure they've got, like, the casting agents have, like, a record of, oh, this is who was on the show, this was her character's name. How, how like, unless he gets remarried in two years, but even then, like... Doc, I doubt it. Doc says, yeah, it's been a while. And then later on, he says, you've got Kathy and the kids. 
So I just think this is so lazy in terms of just letting one tiny little thing slip here. Agreed. Agreed. And plus, I mean, had had Jerry gotten remarried in the last couple of years, I mean, Doc wouldn't have known about it. Unless, of course, they saw each other outside of work, but they probably didn't. Which is what Brandy and I have been talking like. What happened between these two? Because it's like it's it's so sad in a way to think like how close these two were. Because we saw that in the first few episodes, didn't we? About like you know, oh, when he when he like leaves the job and he says like you're still going to come around like three nights a week or whatever it is, and it's like you know, yeah, we're brothers, you know, we're families. Kind of like, oh, Doc's you know like got a, you know friendship and all that sort of stuff, um, which I think kind of adds power and validity to the final scene in this episode. But it's just the ongoing tragedy of Doc. Because, you know, I know sort of I've joked a lot in the last few weeks with Brandy about how kind of a lot of everything that's happening to him recently is kind of his own fault. But at the same time, like, you've still got to feel sorry for this guy. And, like, what happened? Like, why has it been so long that he's talked to Jerry that he can't even remember his wife's name? (laughs) (laughs) Really? I don't know. We should take it up with Mike. We should ask Michael Beach and... Who was the guy who played Jerry? Mike. I think his name was uh, also Michael as well. Yeah, Michael um, uh, Raspoli. That's his name. Um, yeah, uh, from memory, look, I haven't not listened to the interview I did with Michael Beach since I did it, so I need to actually go back and listen to it because there's probably a lot of things he's saying in that that kind of will be relevant into to what we talk about recently. But I do remember bringing up to him the fact that they forgot his wife's name in the final episode. Um, and I can't remember what he said about that. So, uh, you know, great hosting here by myself that I can't remember an interview I did. But, um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's so funny just to kind of, um, you know, think that this is just something they can forget. Like, I mean, it's so, it's so minor. And it kind of, as we've often talked about, like, maybe you can excuse it slightly because again, this is 2002. People aren't binging these things, you know, so it, what does it matter? Uh, when it comes to, you know, these sort of things, because you're not going to remember this when you're watching this live in 2002. But, um, yeah, anyway, just just really interesting that this is something that I've never noticed that before until I've taken notes. Because I was taking notes, Darville, and I'm like, Kathy, Kathy, that wasn't her name, was it? <laughs> um, so I got nope, back. it was and, Jamie. Yeah, wow. Anyway, but... Um, Doc's found out that he works for a um, a lawyer. It's a great scene, though. It really is a great scene. Um, so we kind of then get uh, Sully and Davis have been called out to a domestic dispute. They're into this, this building. We kind of just get a little bit of uh, a mention there that uh, Sully's mum's out of hospital. She'll be going back to the home tomorrow. But as we kind of established uh, when we had this storyline around uh, Sully's mum, we're never going to see her again, at least in this show. So who knows whatever happens to yeah. Sully's mum. We never find out from memory. Um, but anyway, so we're in this, uh, building and it's freezing. The power's all switched off. We hear a baby crying. A woman comes out and, uh, basically says like, oh, you know, there's a baby crying. And they're like, oh, I thought you called it in a domestic dispute. And I, I love this woman's accent. She's like Jamaican or like somewhere from the, from the Caribbean. She's like, if I, if I called and they said there was a baby crying, how fast would have you come? Like, I love her accent. It's awesome. Um. <laughs> and it is a good point that she brings up too. Yeah. Although. Although they probably would have come, they probably would have come pretty quickly if, even if she did say, "Oh, there's a baby crying in that apartment." Well, possibly, but I mean, it's kind of it's an ongoing thing, isn't it? That we <coughs> discover that so many people in New York call through fake crimes. Like we had that, like the what the very first episode of like you know, oh man has yeah. oh they said that from you know our citizen support group. You'll come quicker, um, but. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting, but like obviously this is this is the setup. So we've got a baby crying in this building with the landlord's a dick and turn the power off. So it's absolutely 
freezing. Oh my god! So I cannot tell you how I cannot tell you how angry that makes me. But I'll I'll say what I really want to say about it after we get through the 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 key scene sure. involving the apartment. Well, Davis goes through breaks through the uh, fire escape to get the baby out, um, and kind of you know says that. And we find out obviously that there's a grandmother watching this baby, but she's not there. Um, meanwhile, we've got, um, Carlos and, and Doc, uh, Carlos still going on about Tammy. I love how he's like, it defies logic. It makes no sense. No sense at all. Uh, and then I love it when he's like, oh, Jerry works at a pizza place. So like, you know, obviously Doc, uh, Jerry's like law firm or whatever you want to call it. It's next to a pizza place. So Doc gets out of the ambulance, follows Jerry, um, as he finishes work, shoves him up against the wall. Slams him into the... Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. son of a bitch, you lied to my face. And then Jerry's obviously going on about, you know, oh, the pension doesn't go that far. And, you know, you're screwing your friends. And look, I, I honestly think that, like, like, Doc is so right here to do this. Because, like, yeah, Jerry's kind of going to explain what he did and why he did it and kind of, you know, I guess come full circle in the in this episode. But at the same time, like, surely Jerry could have, like, as soon as he's come to Doc a few episodes ago, gone, hey, just got to let you know... This is what I'm doing right now, so I'm going to hear explain, uh, you know, you need to explain to me. But I'm, I've taken this case myself because I saw your name. So as much as I think you kind of at the end sort of meant to feel sorry for Jerry, I don't feel sorry for Jerry in this storyline at all. This is his own fault. He should have gone... Like, if you're in a friendship situation like this, like, this is where even after a couple of years ago, you come out and you don't lie to his face and sort of... Because you know he's going to open up to you, so you're kind of, like, manipulating his emotions to get him to tell the truth, I guess. Or would Doc have opened up to Jerry had Jerry said from the get-go when he ran into him at the hospital after, you know, while Doc was filling out Carlos's run sheet? Yeah. Um, would, would Doc have opened up to him... And he said, "Hey, Doc. Uh, by the way, I'm working. For, I'm working for a. I'm working for a. I'm a personal. I'm. I'm an injury investigator or whatever." I don't think he would have opened up. No, absolutely, he wouldn't. So I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, as in, like Jerry's, you know, sneaking around doing his job to get him to open up. But what I mean, it's like, I don't think Jerry really has a leg to stand on in terms of defending what he did when that's how he's gone about doing it. If you know what I mean, like, yeah, you're right. Like, he Doc wouldn't have opened up to him. But at least they would have avoided this kind of conflict in the friendship, which is again like what has happened between these two in two and a bit years that they're at this point of their friendship. If you know what I mean, they just drifted apart, I guess. But it's kind of like wow, you know, these were, two were so close in the in the first few episodes, and now this is yeah. where they're at. I mean, we later find out in the episode that I mean Jerry must have been at it for long, must have been at the job, must have been a paramedic for longer than Doc, because I mean we found out that late in the, later in the episode, apparently Jerry taught him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, I try to, I'm trying to picture Jerry, co- I'm trying to picture Jerry training Doc. <laughs> There's like, you know, if they yeah. ever kind of want to bring Third Watch yeah. back, instead of like, you know, continuing on from the end of season six, just do some prequels. Like, let's go back in time, hire out like an actor who sort of resembles Michael Beach, an actor that sort of, you know, resembles uh, Jerry, and then kind of, you know, go from there. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe actually show the call that Doc described from the first season is the worst call him and Jerry ever took. Yeah, the, and also the suitcase as well. Yeah, like exactly. Um, yeah, and the rivers. Yeah, exactly. You're right. That would be interesting. But I mean, you know, never gonna do it. But you know, there's some ideas out there. Um, but yeah, so obviously Jerry kind of calms him down, come and get some pizza. <clears throat> and they kind of have this, uh, you know, conversation yet about like you know, figured I could help you out. You know, there's no claim yet. 
Um, you know, and I kind of like how he says, like, um, oh, you know, once the collar stays on, it stay, it's on, you know, that's day one stuff, Doc. And obviously, he's just kind of, like, confiding in him and just saying, like, I saw your name come up, so I wanted to kind of check this out and blah, 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 blah. Um, I'd love how Carlos comes in and, you know, oh, oh so, man, saw you guys eating. Oh, I thought <laughs> I'd grab a slice. Oh, hey, Jerry, Carlos, uh, remember me? You grabbed my ass. You know, you pretended to be gay. And I love how Jerry's like, pretended? Um, oh man it's so funny but then even just kind of going back to what I was saying before about how it's not like they're not remembering the first episode because this was kind of like a great little throwback when like you know Carlos is like oh my first day was your last you know oh good thing Doc was there I I was a mess you know I totally froze up which is completely how that storyline played out you know in the first episode so again it's not Mm -hmm. like they haven't forgotten the writers what happened in that first episode um and obviously, Jerry kind of thinks it's a bit of a setup that uh, Doc's done this deliberately to make him feel guilty. So he kind of gets up and leaves, and you know, Carlos, you know, what did I say? So it's kind of interesting. Like Jerry can dish this out in terms of like you know going behind his friend's back to kind of get information. Yet, like as we'll not learn in this episode, Jerry's not one for uh, you know getting guilted into things. He kind of takes it very personally. So I don't know if you got anything to kind of add on these scenes or anything like that. But yeah. Well. Actually, no. I thought I had something, but then it went out of my head. I just, I just love Carlos. Like you, grab, you grab my ass. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can see how Jerry could have thought that that was a that that was a setup, but I mean, Carlos just, I mean, as usual, awkwardly walks in at the at the at the wrong at time, the wrong, yeah, at the wrong times, yeah, yeah. So. But I can see why Jerry would have thought it was a setup. Yeah, no, absolutely. I can definitely see that. Um, so we're back at the apartment. Uh, Kim and Taylor show up. We've got the baby here. They're trying to find uh, the woman. This baby's already got some frostbite. Miss Alvarez. Miss Alvarez. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they're kind of like talking about the fact that, you know, the, the grandmother isn't exactly a, a bad person or anything. Like, she looks after the baby because uh, the mother was murdered by the father. He's in jail. Like... Things going well for this Keeps family. It's getting better, doesn't it? Um, so Sally's like, oh, is there a laundry room? I'll go down and check. So he kind of goes... Let me... Let me go, go for it, let please. Me stop, let me stop you there. How did Sully know where... How did Sully know where to... When I when I watched that, I started thinking, okay, how does Sully know to go to the laundry room? I mean, there are probably a bunch of places he could go in that apartment. Why the laundry room? Yeah, I was wondering that too. And look, there's a few things in this episode, as much as this storyline's like very dramatic and kind of interesting, and I'm pretty certain, I'm pretty certain I read somewhere that this is slightly based off fact, that this is an incident that kind of did happen. But uh, maybe I, not. I believe it. I yeah. believe it. Because I, I know I think kind of I looked this up once. Uh, or maybe I saw a promo for it where they're like, you know, based off something. I don't know. But I'm pretty certain. Monday. <laughs> I'm pretty certain. <laughs> On third watch. I'm pretty certain that like, this was based loosely or something. But there's just something about this whole storyline, though, that like. And we'll get to this. Because, like, he, yeah, you're right. Like, how does he know? Like, straight away. Like, he could have been like, oh, let's check the roof. Oh, where's the backyard? Where's the trash, you know, room? Like, you know, it's just straight away, like, I'll check the laundry room. But then, like, the thing that kind of should put him off... And then the music. ...is when, when, he's, when um, the woman says, like, oh, it hasn't been used in a long time. That's when Sally should be like, oh, okay, well, clearly she's not down there then. <laughs> but it's like, oh, I'm still going to check. So, yeah, he goes down. Yep. 
into this room. Yeah, and the music. It's so oh, the music in this episode is fantastic. Like just, just the theme that they kind of have in this episode. Um, but we kind of we go downstairs and we we it's like it's so cold. There's like icicles forming from the roof and everything along those lines. So he goes down the stairs and he steps on the ice and he falls on his ass because this is pure ice. It's completely frozen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as he's uh, smacked down on his ass, he shines a torch, sees her. She's stuck in the. She's, oh my! Oh my! She's stuck in the ice. Here she is, completely, completely frozen. Uh, Davis, I found her. Now, look, this is um, this is kind of where I think uh, you've really got to suspend belief in terms of the really sick nature of this because I know it's meant to be freezing in New York. It's what meant to be 10 below, and I kind of I get it. That's below freezing point. But how... Okay, so this woman's gone down to the laundry room for whatever reason in a room that doesn't work. It hasn't worked for how long? She's slipped, she's fallen, and at the same time, there's been, like, a busted tap, which has filled that room up, okay? Now, that is a fairly decent amount of water that would have no doubt had to, like, fill that room up for, you know, at least maybe an hour or two, let's hypothetically say. And at the same time, like, how does this woman then get frozen? How long does she have to be in there to get frozen? So how? My question is, how long has she been down there? Because surely that cannot fill up that room and freeze in, like, less than an hour. I know it's cold, but, like... Didn't they say it was, like, five hours? Possibly, but... That's reasonable. But even then, like, is the water already there? And, like, even if it's already there, how does she not drown if she's laying on her back, like, in that water? So... Maybe, maybe here, maybe she's not, maybe she's not completely submerged. Well, I I guess she's not, because the mouth is slightly out of the ice, but, yeah. Yeah. Because I'm, I wondered, I wondered that as well. You know about the, the, the ice and everything, and how she got to be in that position. My only guess was, was along with yours that she that she slipped that she slipped fell and maybe maybe she was knocked unconscious or injured herself really badly to the point where she couldn't get up. Possibly, but it's kind of it's a kind of a case. That, okay, hypothetically, she's knocked out, so her head has to be rested back in that position. Um, even though, like, if that water's not covering her mouth, which I guess it's not because the ice is around her mouth, so her mouth is outside of the ice. But, like, you think about it, if you're laying in water, whether or not you're completely submerged in that water or not, the water's still going to be going down your throat if you're, like, going... <gasps> like, and it's that close to your lips. So, um, that's why I just think this whole... Like, I, I'm not taking away from it because I think it's very kind of tense and dramatic what they do here with it. Um, but in the grand scheme of realism... I would really love to talk to uh, a doctor or a paramedic on this show to watch this scene to just be like, yeah, no, that's nothing. Uh, <laughs> like, that couldn't happen. Like, uh, it, like kind of retconning that into the, the uh, Amy Carlson interview. Another bit of a spoiler here for you, Darvel, but for those who haven't listened to it, at least at the time of recording this, um, we talked uh, a few episodes ago, uh, I think it was in Transformed, wasn't it, when we had that massive explosion. No, it was Act Brave, sorry, it was Act Brave, when we had the massive explosion in the diner, and nobody died. Yes. Um, Amy Carlson told us that, like, she had firefighters on that set, like, their advisors, just shaking their head going, yeah, this is bullshit, there's no way nobody would have survived that. Uh, so, like, they're basically saying, like, yeah, people died in that explosion. Um, so it's kind of just funny to think that, like, what would the paramedics be saying on this episode? Like, the technical advisor's like, yeah, guys, that woman's dead. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I know well, this is actually, TV, but yeah. Go ahead. Actually, I, I'm no expert, but I, I'm no expert, of course, but I have heard that, now, of course, 
cold water immersion and ice immersion are probably two different things, even though ice is frozen water. But um, I have heard of people surviving after being submerged in, in water long enough if the water's cold enough, because apparently it slows... Yeah, that's what it they kind of say. It slows your body they? down yeah. or something like that. Yeah, look, yeah. what Taylor says, oh, so she's kind of just stopped. That's what Taylor kind of says. Yes. Yeah. And look, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm by, Again, I'm no doctor. By all means, things like this happen all the time where somehow people survive. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Like, you think everything they go through and somehow they survive and they're just fine. Like, again, I'm in no way saying this is impossible. Because, um, again, as I said, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that this is slightly based off something that really happened. Um, but I don't know, like, again, it's a TV show, Ben, it's for dramatic purposes, <laughs> you're getting too technical, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's like... But hey, that's what we're here for, right? To yeah. discuss this kind of stuff. Well, it's a fascinating storyline, and you remember it, like, you, you remember the episode where the woman was frozen in ice, so it's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, and compared to what we'll get in later seasons when it comes to snow seasons... Uh, I'm looking at you, Snow, snow Blind. Day, snow Blind, or whatever the... I don't even remember that. And the episode is that bad. Um, snow Blind. Snow Blind, thank you. Uh, <laughs> this kind of the is one a you hate. better episode. <laughs> um, I don't hate it as much as the vampires, but that's another story. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Ooh, scary. Um, that's like the best dirt face from Yokus when we get to that scene. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I do like this rescue Excuse though. Me. I kind of like how like Sally goes to like um, smash the ice and like no 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 don't do it. Like you know, there's a method to this. Like it's slow. Like you know, she's kind of if we break the ice in the wrong part, she's like she's part of it. Um, so you know, it's kind of like you've got to do it. There's a method to it. Um, meanwhile, we kind of get cross back to Doc just being absolutely furious. <laughs> And taking it out on everybody around him. Oh, I just love him when he's like, try your blinker next time. And then, you know, Carlos, like, reacting and like, oh, sorry if I said, oh, the whole world doesn't revolve around poor little Carlos. (laughs) Just, like, going off with poor Carlos here. And then I love it when, like, Carlos's phone rings, Doc gets out of the car, he's already, like, start punching up a freaking uh, taxi driver. And then he's all of a sudden, like, the other guy, stop beeping, I'm moving, I want to move. (laughs) <laughs> Michael Beach plays angry very well. Like he does angry dogs. So I hate to be around the guy when he actually is angry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, like uh, Carlos on the phone, basically like, "Yep, cool." You know, uh, Taylor's call us. We need your help. Um, then kind of we just get a little scene at the police station, just kind of showing Bosco just doesn't care. We've got a drunk guy like uh, going off at Bosco. I don't get the line, and I'm assuring it's some, I'm sure, I'm, I don't even know what I'm saying here, I'm sure it is a old term that is offensive to Italians, the when he says, oh, you're a guinea boy, that makes sense. Um, yes. I don't get that. Do, do you know what that is, or? <laughs> Gu- guinea, guinea is, um, is a racial slur for Italians. Okay, well, I, yeah, I, I had no idea what that, like, Apologies to Italian listeners if that's offensive. I guess it's like we have a term here in Australia, which is uh, we had a lot of like Italian and Greek immigrants, um, and we would call them wogs, which is now generally perceived as offensive to immigrants. Even though there was a comedian here, Nick Giannopoulos, who made two very successful films called The Wog Boy and The Wog Boy 2. But, you know, that's, I guess, kind of where it comes down to. But, uh, yeah, okay, fair enough. It's a racial slur. 
It was said in the episode, people. That's why I said it. Um, but I love kind of like this guy just going off Bosco. Bosco just doesn't give a shit. Um, and Which then, is not like Bosco. Yeah, exactly. And the way Yoke is, is kind of like, you're not yourself. Yeah? Who am I? And he kind of just, you know, walks off. And it's understandable. Poor old Bosco. I, again, was, I think I mentioned this last week about how I kind of like this bit of a storyline with Bosco and how he kind of has this sort of, you know, issues. And Jason Wiles just plays it so well. Um, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we have uh, Doc and Carlos show up. Uh, they're warming up the saline, um, and Doc comes down. And What's I'm... saline used for, I wonder? I think it's like, is it not like artificial, like, I don't say blood. It's like, it's, um, it's like used for, like, it, they can be used to, uh, oh, I, maybe it is artificial blood. Like, kind of just, it's used temporarily. Um, we really need a doctor on this show. <laughs> let's, let's yeah, go with What is saline Or, or, a, pa- or a paramedic. Yes, indeed. Uh, where is it? The saline medicine. The port with the blue cover is where the bag is spiked with an infusion. No, that doesn't really tell me what it's for. Um, is a mixture of water that uses a number of medicines applied to the affected area. It is used to clean wounds, help remove contact lenses. Uh, that's not what we got. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the woman frozen in ice was covered in contact lenses. And- <laughs> uh, by injection into a vein, it is used to treat dehydration such as gastroenteritis and diabetic diabetic ketoacidosis. It is also used to dilute other medicines given by injection. Um, so it's kind of got a few uh, uses. Uh, there, Darvel. Hmm. It is on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines, and it is the most effective and safe medicines needed in the health system. There you go. So it's it's an important uh, little drug, I guess. But uh, I like this idea, like Doc, kind of you know heating it up and kind of you know this is what she's gonna to use it with. Um, so yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, it says four to five hours, and then kind of Doc's kind of like, oh, we've got forty five minutes, um, and then. <laughs> Of course, Carlos comes down, you know, old gangbusters. Mind your footing, It's not Nieto. easy heating up bad sailing when it's 20 below out. Watch your footing, Nieto. Ah! Oh! Oh! Son of a bitch! Why did someone tell me? It's like, why don't you learn to listen? Well, maybe somebody could have listened. <laughs> oh, poor old car. I love the bit, though, like when he slips and he gets up and then he sees a woman. Oh, man! Oh, man! <laughs> I love the way he says that. <laughs> oh, man! Oh, man! <laughs> Is she a... <laughs> yeah. But I, it's, like, I just like this rescue scene. It's just tense. Like, you mentioned the music. The music's Warm enough. Fan- Let's go to work. Yeah, the music's fantastic. Like, they've got the heaters, they've got the hair dryers, and just kind of, you know, just all fantastic. And then she comes back to life in the... Um, oh, even, like, when Doc, like, puts his hands on her face. Like, that's cool. Um, yeah. Then what is it they're what is it they're using at the start when I'm when I'm hearing the oh uh, they've got like a cheesy. I, I always thought those of, were jackhammers or something. Yeah, it's they sound kind of like jackhammers. Yeah, something like that. Um, I don't think it's specifically an actual jack jackhammer, but yeah, no, it's it's something similar. But um, yeah, just it's just so tense this whole scene. Like, realistic or not, um, it's just fantastic. So then they they put her in the uh, ambulance, and obviously she kind of comes back to it, and they're kind of trying to protect her. And then um, obviously poor old Carlos is told to strip and uh, do Boy Scout first aid and uh, body to body. I wasn't in the Boy Scouts. I was, but I never learned that. 
So. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I mean, I, w- I was quoting Carlos there, although I wasn't either. All oh, right. But, okay. Well, um, there you go. But um, yeah. I, I do kind of just like how, you know, Carlos is doing this and then, uh, you know, Jimmy's laughing. He's like, oh, what I'd give for a camera right now. Um, <laughs> it would have been a good picture moment. But I, I, I even like the fact that kind of like Doc's here so serious about it and kind of then he even has time for a little bit of a smile just as they obviously cut to commercial. And he's like, oh, don't tell anyone. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's a nice little scene. Um, did you say you had something to, and, to talk about the uh, the landlord with this, this situation before yeah, I forget? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all I can say is, and I'm sure you'll agree with me here, it's, it's implied that she recovered. I hope and pray to God that when she did, she sued the hell out of that apartment. Oh, that I, I do. I, I would even assume there was a deleted scene somewhere where you got to meet this person because, um, I mean, remember it wasn't the first season when we had the, the German dude who had the weed in the uh, the, uh, the, the, the shed. Um, yes. So, yeah, I you're right. I mean, God, this guy's definitely going down because um, I mean that, that's a, it's kind of like even when I think doesn't Kim or Taylor at one point say like oh I didn't realise they were allowed to do this anymore in the city like that's kind of like dick move yeah so, Sully Sully said that to the neighbour it was like it's like this isn't supposed to happen anymore tenants have got rights yeah it's kind of um, yeah just the way it kind of it goes about it so you know like it's it's pretty like it's I'm, I, the sad thing is, Darvell, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, I, I, I feel like this is something that probably would still happen. Like, you know, you just kind of have these... Oh, like, yes. ...dick people. Oh, it absolutely this. would. So, um, yeah. Um, but anyway, but it's, it's kind of like, I reckon there's maybe a deleted scene where we got to meet this guy. I don't know. Like, it's you feel like there's... Ever, although, like, there's so much going on in this episode already, I, I don't know. Maybe there isn't. Yeah, what I was hoping... What I always hoped would happen was I kind of thought... What if the landlord had heard all the commotion coming from the laundry room, you know, and come down to see what was going on? Mm, well, oh my God, that would have made a hell of a showdown. You screwed. I would have loved to have seen you screwed, that. Sonny Jim. Um, <laughs> basically, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, meanwhile, we kind of get a bit of scene here of Jokas talking to Swirsky, just sort of her, she's concerned about Bosco. So, um, obviously, you know, she's recommending that uh, you know he gets. <laughs> Some more help, and uh, obviously, you know, uh, he's saying like, "Oh, you didn't hear this from me. I won't tell anyone." Um, and I even like the line there when Swiss like, "Will he hurt himself?" No. Oh, well, you know, I had to ask. Um, meanwhile, uh, we're back at the hospital. Uh, Doctor Fields. I don't think you've been on since we've uh, been introduced to the esteemed Doctor Fields, Darvell, who obviously becomes a bit of a major sort of side player right up into the final episode. So, um, Doctor Fields is now in here. Um, he'll have a bit of a storyline with Cruz later on, of course. Um, so he kind of just mentions about, uh, that, you know, this woman's pretty much fine. She's got some, from frostbite and everyone's starts, uh, pr- praising Doc. Doc, you outdid yourself, man. You know, well done. He really did. Oh yeah, for, of course he did. But I, I kind of think what's great about this episode is kind of what we'll get from Doc sort of talking about this moment very soon. Cause Doc just kind of shrugs it off and walks away. Um, I do kind of like just this little scene here where Sully randomly looks at Taylor and they kind of have this like little smile off. And Taylor's like, what? What? Nothing. And they kind of laugh. It's like, "Uh, I think she knows I know. I know she knows you know. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's just kind of a nice little scene. Um, yeah, Jimmy. Also, and then with then with Kim and Jimmy. Yeah, so yeah, Jimmy takes Kim away, and they kind of just like talk here about. Oh, you knew about the Easter the Easter schedule? Yeah, it's in the newsletter. <laughs> like it's just kind of like, I like this like ongoing joke. What newsletter? Um, and then obviously Kim's kind of complimented. Like it amazes me that Kim takes this so well. Like I know she kind of isn't, but you know, just the way she is. But. Um, you know, compliments Jimmy, you're doing really good. And then obviously, you know, says to, to Jimmy, uh, Jimmy says to Kim, like, oh, maybe you can help out a little bit more. And they, oh, it's a nice little scene. They're kind of sorting out their differences, I guess. Um, yeah. And Taylor's like so much for wanting to rip his heart out. Yeah. T- Jimmy gets called away. Taylor's, uh, yep, as you said. Uh, <laughs> we've got to get Carlos going upstairs to kind of mm-hmm. find Tammy. <laughs> uh, and then she obviously assumes that he's blown, uh, her off, but it's, you know, oh, I've been calling you, like, you know, and then what number is this? And it's like, oh, I didn't write that. You wrote that. And it's like, oh, my writing's not that sloppy. You were in a, uh, you had a concussion. Um, and it's like, why are you limping? Oh, just a, another rescue related injury. Uh, oh, is it on your butt? Yeah, it's on my butt. Should I take a look? <laughs> Follow me. Oh, man. His little and- smirk and his little uh, strut that Carlos does as he's kind of walking off. <laughs> Was it life-altering sex round two? <laughs> it's got to- I think that's all we see from Tammy, too, isn't it? I think that's kind of it. But um- Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the last time. I love her last name, by the way. What is Sizemore. Si- <laughs> it's like a James Bond thing, Sizemore. Um, we, we think Brady and I discovered this. Like Carlos gets lucky. Like Carlos has some good luck when it comes to these sort of things. So <laughs> good on you, Carlos. I mean, she must be. She must be pretty attractive. I mean, she's... the esteemed. Yeah, she's... the esteemed whoever plays Tammy. Annie Paris <laughs> is her name. Uh, best known for playing Agent Dawes on National Treasure or Genie in How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. Um, I mean, she's okay. She's not unattractive, but I guess probably not my cup of tea, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, it was only her second ever TV role after previously playing Gina in the pilot of a show called Big Apple, which I've never heard of before. So Big Apple. Don't know. I feel like I've heard. Of, I feel like I've heard that mentioned. Never. Yeah, I don't it know. It must have never. It must have never made it to air, or it- maybe. Slipped under the radar. She uh, would go on to be in 34 episodes of Law and Order. Uh, she was in an episode of Friends. Um, uh, classic. No, not, not one that I kind of am that familiar with. But, uh, yeah, I mean, she's okay. She's she's not the most unattractive person I've ever seen in my life. <clears throat> uh, but, all right, then we get into this final scene. And let's just let's just say this right from the get-go here, Darvell. This is uh, a contender for the final five. And might almost be a lock mm-hmm. in the final five. I think last week's end of uh, last week is a lock for the final five. I think the uh, Jimmy and Kim argument from a few episodes ago where Jimmy's banging at the door, that's probably going to be a lock for the top five. I feel this will be a lock for the top five, and I feel the end of next week will be a lock for the top five. So I think we've kind of got our four moments already in a lock. We might be battling over a fifth position uh, for our final five at the end of the year. <laughs> we'll just see what it is. But this this scene is just like, wow. So uh, Doc's got Jerry. He's picked him up, um, left poor old Carlos back at the hospital. Drag me out of bed for the coldest night of the year. What's next? <laughs> Cement shoes? But then uh, shows up to the river and then obviously kind of, you know, oh, do you remember why you remember here? And he obviously goes over a bit of a story uh, about dragging out uh, somebody from the river that died and kind of obviously Jerry had to do some methods which weren't necessarily, uh, you know, appropriate. Uh, I do kind of like Doc's sort of, uh, you know, story here about, you know, oh, you wouldn't believe the compliments I get. You know, I was brought up by you. And then kind of just his line when he says, oh, 
tonight was one of those days where I occasionally love this job. Um, and it's just, it's just such a powerful scene that Doc's kind of like, you know, going on about the fact that, you know, I've got nothing if I've got, if I don't have this job, like this is all I have. You've got Kathy, actually Jamie and the kids, Jamie. um, you know, this is, you can't make me lose my job here. Um, more like my life. And I've got no life. And like, we get the first, I think this is the first time we kind of hear that theme, which I'm going to call Doc's theme. Because it's like that sad sort of music in the background, which we will get. I'm pretty sure even in his last episode, I'm pretty sure they play that theme. So this is kind of like the tragic doc music. I'll have to listen to it again. Yeah, I'm pretty certain I'll have to it listen is. To it again. I'm just going to call it. Like I know in our lost coverage, uh, we've been covering the theme without how each character kind of has a theme. Whereas, uh, look, if we ever get Martin Davich on the show, uh, who knows, by the time you're listening to this, maybe we already have. Uh, maybe, like, he has called these certain characters. But this, to me, I'm going to call Doc's theme, because you will hear this again. Um, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, people who are listening to this, Barb or Kedas, if we might have already heard this previously. <coughs> but uh, it's just such a powerful scene, the way he's kind of, like, talking to Jerry about it. And then Jerry, obviously, kind of, you know, gets a little bit upset, and he sort of, you know, walks off. Um, and then, uh, yeah, basically, um, you know, just don't, don't let me lose my job, Jerry, you know, just please, you know, think about what I've got. I've got nothing else. If you make me lose my job, kind of guilting Jerry into the fact that dude, what I told you is going to cost me my job. And then obviously Jerry's like, it's the tape doc. If they didn't have it on tape, like it's irrefutable. Um, but then and that is true. It is true. It's very true. But just kind of the powerful moment at the end when, like, Jerry kind of goes to leave and he's kind of like, I'll get a cab. He's like, no, man, just let me give you a lift home. Let me give you a lift home. He's like, no. Jerry! Come on, man. Jerry! Come on, man. And and he, he's, he's, and it, I always, I always thought that maybe, I always thought that maybe Doc was starting to cry in that oh, scene. It kind of sounded yeah, like it. there's a few tears welling up. But just, I think kind of what also makes it really powerful is that it goes back to, you know, right back to, to last season uh, in Unfinished... Uh, sorry, not Unfinished Business, sorry, Requiem for a Bantamweight, when, you know, Bobby's shot, and then you've got Kim over the credits. Like, Bobby, you know, hang on, hang on, please, Bobby, hang on. So, like, kind of, you're still hearing her voice when you see the, um you know, uh, executive producers come up on the screen. So, this is what they do here as well. So, like, when he's, like, going, Jerry, Jerry, like, it's seen over the credits. Um, it's just powerful and like well acted. Michael Beach, holy crap! Where's his Emmy nomination? Yeah. Where's any sort of recognition for this scene? Um, and just, any sort of recognition for Third Watch? Yeah, and just just you know, even not to take away from <coughs> Michael Rispoli as well, he does fantastic in this scene too. But it just you just feel so much for Doc in this because like we've watched Inference Day One, and we've often said like this is the downfall of Doc. Just everything keeps getting worse for him, and kind of you've got to if you've watched this show from day one, and maybe you've been watching this like as quickly in succession as we've been bringing you these episodes. It's a fact that think back to the very first kind of like quarter of season one when we're assuming Jerry's a major character. You know, I mean, our number one moment from uh, season one was the closing of episode one when you've got Battersea and Hoover Phonic and they're all watching over Jerry shot and kind of they're all concerned for his welfare. Like, this is a guy who, you know, obviously taught Doc. These guys are brothers by all letters of the law. For some reason, they've drifted apart and haven't spoke to each other for two years. But as we kind of said with Brandy, like, we've all got people in our lives that we might not see for a couple of years, but as soon as we see them again, it's just like how it was. It doesn't change. You've always got that connection with the person. So, like, it's just so powerful and kind of like, you're really getting these poor old nails in Doc's coffin moving forward here, aren't right. we? Right. And, and the, and I had said, 
I had said at the top of the episode that there was a that that I that I originally intended to use a quote from from this scene where where Doc and Jerry are standing at the river and it's well um could could I go ahead and share it <laughs> go for it go for it okay yep it's cuz I I do want to I do want to talk about this a little bit because this still happens he says to Jerry you know Monday morning quarterbacks they don't know that See, they spend hours picking apart split-second decisions, but you, Jerry, you know what it's like making tough calls out here knowing that you have to live with the outcome, good or bad. That still goes on today. I mean, you see it with... with I'll, gi- I'll give you an example. Officer-involved shootings. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a very, very prominent example. Um, in a... Now I'm not defending the I'm not defending the trigger happy ones who just kill for the sake of killing, in which case they shouldn't be on the job. But in that kind of a situation, you have a split second to decide what you're what you're gonna do. And the outcome, you know, it could mean your life or the or the other person's life. And that's and people who sit behind the desk who watch those tapes and all that who watch that footage you know they can they can say oh this person acted this person acted inappropriately and maybe they did but still they're behind the desk they're not out there they don't know what it's like yeah and sa- same with this situation with with doc and what's the kid's name ryan and yeah. jerry boyfriend. and jerry getting the tape brandy thinks he's hot it's <laughs> <laughs> an embarrassed brandy sorry keep keep going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what are what are your what are your thoughts on that on that particular on that particular line? I thought you were about to say what are my the, thoughts on the, Ryan. I mean, he's pretty cute. I wouldn't swing that way, but um, <laughs> oh, that um, wasn't what no, I was you, say. you're right. Like, I mean, it's it's yeah. I mean, I think kind of, and this is, I guess, from my personal perspective, why whenever I hear these storylines and things like that, like I don't necessarily always jump to the the black and white conclusion that the media portrays it for, because um, I mean. I guess I live in a different part of the world where I guess kind of situations are different when it comes to our, our policing and kind of, you know, we don't necessarily have a lot of the issues that are perhaps in America and stuff like that. But there are still fine lines between certain aspects. And I guess I've always mainly, a lot of the time, maybe been a bit sympathetic towards a lot of the police in certain aspects. And I'm not trying to take away from issues where clearly the police are in the wrong. Uh, I mean, I have... Uh, no, am I. I. My grandfather was a police officer, and I guess kind of I've always respected law enforcement, and I've, you know, deep down would love to be a law enforcement, <coughs> but I just, I'm not brave. I'm, I'm a pussy, so, like, I would just be terrible at doing this sort of work. I, I'm Gussler next week. Ben is a police officer. We'll get, we'll get to that next week. I'm Gussler next week, all right? But, um, yeah, you I... You piss yourself in the middle of the I would, I I legitimately would. Um, but... Yeah, I think it's you're right, and it's kind of it, like I mean, this is a very poor comparison, but uh, just bear with me. I mean, I've I've kind of the 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 precursor for this show, obviously, was Survivor Oz, and spent a good you know many years trying to analyze Survivor games, and kind of it, it turned into that line where we would often say, "Oh, we're just being the Monday morning quarterback," and kind of just you know talking up. I wouldn't know I'm not there. So kind of like I've never played Survivor. I can talk about it and give my opinions, but until you're there, you don't know. It's like um, I guess in a weird way to look at what we're doing here, Darvell. Like people can probably listen to us and think, "Fuck, that's easy." They just have to watch a show and talk about it. And let's be honest, it's pretty easy. But like, I mean, there are certain situations like 
interviews, for example, like people would assume, oh, interviewing Amy Carson's pretty easy. You just kind of sit in a line and talk. But I mean, there's there's a method to it. There's a method to interviewing people. There, there's a method to editing and producing a podcast. I mean, I'm not no way saying this is in any comparison to being a paramedic and saving lives and a police officer and things like that. Of course it's not. Our jobs are easy compared to what they've got to do. But, like, it's with any profession. I'm sure, like, with, you know, what you do in your life, what Brandy does, what everybody does. Like, I can comment and give an opinion on it, but at the end of the day, I I don't know enough to really form a, a complete valid opinion on it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yep, I've got you. I'm glad somebody <clears throat> does. I mean, I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm just like you know, just like when people say, you know, if I saw people say if I saw someone in trouble, I'd I'd help them. If I saw someone in danger, I'd try I'd try and rescue them. You don't know what you do. You can say that all you want, but don't know till you're there. Look, it's and yeah, until you're there and you have a split second to decide what you're going to do. And I and I'll be honest with you, like we all want to think that that we would do certain things in situations. But, yeah, I mean, I remember a situation when I was in college and we were I was with two guys, two friends, we were kind of walking through the city and uh, this guy got hit by a car, basically, in front of us. And, um, like, this city block, like, busy. And kind of, you know, you want to think in a moment like this, you're going to spring into action and whatever. But, like, I'll be honest with you, I froze. And, like, me and one of the other guys, we just kind of stood like, holy fuck, did that just... Like, you just froze and you just stared. And you're like, what the hell? Like, holy crap, did that just happen? And my other friend that I was with, like, he was, like, opposite. He was fucking action man. He was, like, he was running, like, call triple zero, which is, like, our 911 and blah, blah, blah. And all these people, like, you know, kind of going to rush to him to make sure he's okay. Like, there's people like that, which, again, you wish you, you want to be a person like that. But, again, in the moment, you don't know how you're going to react. Like, I'm sure we've all had moments in our lives where something dramatic has happened and you look back on it and think, fuck, I wish I had have reacted differently. But you just don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the thing. This is life. Shit happens and kind of you react in when you react and, you know, you can't change it, I guess. But, yeah. Nope. And this is, again, at the end of the day, Darvel, where I have the utmost respect for, you know, not just law enforcement, but, you know, paramedics, emergency service workers, firefighters, you know, people that do jobs that I would like to think I could do. But I realistically could not do because I just would not be brave enough or capable to make these, you know, I, I'm like, again, sure, I'd like to be a doctor, but don't trust me with somebody's life in my hands. Like, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have the utmost respect for people who can do that because... Um, Same here. Yeah. But, um, I mean, this scene is just so top five worthy. It's just so incredible. and um, Absolutely. You know, this is this is kind of one of those ones where, like, this episode's a strong enough episode to me that it probably would border on a high rent, low buy, but I kind of think this scene alone strings it to me into the buy category, which, I mean, I'll just spoil that right now in our evil review section that I'm buying this episode. Uh, Darvel, what, what are you doing with this episode? Definite buy. Definite, Definite buy there. You keep your streak alive and you keep the perfect... Uh, streak going for this season for you, between yourself and uh, and Brandy. Now, I will say, too, as I said, I'm kind of ranking these episodes finally. Uh, so I put this... And I, I will say, just kind of as a side note, this is 59 episodes I've ranked. So I've actually, as I said at the beginning of this episode, I've ranked up into Superheroes Part 2. So I've included two episodes in the fort here with this one. But uh, I've actually ranked this episode at number 23. 
So, uh, that's 23 out of 59 as of right now. So, I have ranked it just below uh, Know Thyself, Season 2, Episode 8, and just above This Band of Brothers, Season 1, Episode 13. So, uh, kind of middle sort of area there for me, middle high. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. I just thought I would mention that there. So, by all means, Darvell, if you want to go through and rank the episodes, Brandy, by all means, you could do the same. Uh, but I just think it's kind of a fun little uh, exercise now to add the rankings sort of along the way. Um, next week, though, holy crap, what an episode. Uh, we have Superheroes Part 1, the very first in our official two-parters when it comes to Third Watch. I mean, you know, you, you, you classify Requiem for for a Bantamweight and Unfinished Business as two-parter by all letters of the law. That should be, you know, classified as one. But this is, like, the first instance where Third Watch will actually have part one, part two. And if I'm not mistaken, Davo, we get this from each season moving forward now, do we not? Um, yeah, we get, we get crime and punishment and uh, collateral damage in season four. And, Unless we get two next season, of course we do. Yeah, you're right. Yep, and uh, I can't remember. What, oh, Family Ties, parts one and two in season five. Uh, and Yes, you're right. I don't know if we have any two-parters in Twilight, in part one season and part two. six. <laughs> uh, I mean, we get the L word followed by the other L word. Oh, yes, the other the L word and the other L word, yes. I guess that's technically a two-parter. Um, yeah. And obviously we're not counting crossovers. I mean, you, you can, but you like if you want to be technical, we have another two-parter this season when it comes to ER and, and the Unleashed episode, which, again, we will be covering kind of both those episodes, and then obviously season six with Medical Investigation. But um, I think kind of... You don't necessarily need to see the other show's episode for it to fully... Like, you do, but you don't. Like, I think the ER one kind of... You can get away with a lot more without seeing the ER episode. Um, whereas, like, the medical investigation one, I will admit, at least at the time of recording this, I've still never seen the medical investigation half of that two-parter. So, like, there's a whole... Yeah, I read, that you read my mind. I was getting ready to ask you if you've gotten no, a hold I, of it. I yet. will find it. I will. I'll, I'll find some way to find it. But, um... Anyway, so Superheroes Part 1, um, it is kind of like you you were on the money, I think, a little bit, Darvel. It is a slight bit of turning point when it comes to where this show is going to go forward because I think kind of what we're going to get a lot of from Superheroes Part 1 onwards is these ongoing storylines that kind of do last throughout a season. Like, I'm not saying we don't have these already leading up to this point, but like... I think I mentioned this in Brandy. We kind of get a big bad, like a big bad guy for the season. It's it's kind of and in this case, it's fire. It's Chevchenko. It's freaking Roy Scheider, everybody. Uh, Jaws's. <laughs> like, I love this man. Like I just oh, you're just gonna hear me praise the shit out of um of Roy Scheider in these next few episodes. So yeah, we kind of get the big bad. Like we get a bit of a kingpin sort of person that is sort of the big bad I am guy. Chevchenko. Which which like I. It works in these parts of Third Watch. It doesn't necessarily work when we move forward into later seasons, but we'll get to that. Um, but yeah. I think kind of it is, because this is really, really a job-centric episode. Two parts of the episode. You know, we get some personal yeah, but stuff. But it works. It, oh, it works. It works fantastically. Like, I'm not going to criticise the fact that this is switched into job mode and not character mode. 
And I think kind of what we will do next week is we will uh, air both of these episodes for you next week. So uh, we will put part one and part two up on the same day for you just to kind of keep it so you can... Uh, we're not going to put a cliffhanger on it. But um, I'm saying this right now. Superheroes part one uh, is, uh, well, as of at least my rankings right now, a top ten episode. And I would say possibly could be a top ten episode at the end of all of these uh, 134-odd episodes. So... Um, 132 episodes, what am I saying? So, yeah, uh, that's my thought take on uh, Superheroes Part 1. And obviously, we'll be doing Part 2 at the same time next week, but we'll uh, talk a little bit about it in the next week. Do you have anything to add on uh, Superheroes Mm -hmm. Part 1? I will say I do do also like the introduction of Chip Chank. Yeah. Because he is fabulous. He's amazing. A fabulous villain. He is great. He's probably my favourite big bad villain of all the six seasons, and which is weird saying that in third watch. Like, it's it's just I mean, it's interesting how they kind of um, go about it. And should we also mention uh, the esteemed Method Man will also be in next week's episode. Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, among the many gangster rappers that they kind of get on third watch, one of the better actors, I will say. Yeah, although DMX wasn't bad when he made his appearance in season five. He's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wycliffe Gene has his moments. <laughs> but yeah. So. Thank God he did. Thank God he didn't try to sing when he appeared. Because <laughs> I mean, I like I like the man's music, but uh, the guy doesn't really sing all that. When well, he works with think. Shakira, he's okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what I like about and, and or maybe I should save it for the for the actual episode when we do get introduced to Chepchenko. But I'll say this right now. The reason why he's such a good bad guy is is I love is be, is because he's quiet. Oh yeah, he, he's 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 a he's a quiet guy. You know he does he doesn't raise his voice, but when he talks, my god, you better listen. The thing I will say too, and again, like I'm with you, we'll talk about this next week. But um, I had the utmost respect for Roy Scheider, and I know we've kind of talked a lot about big names on this show. You know, with Viola Davis recently, and uh, you know. We've had Mia Farrow, and kind of we're still going to have big stars like Helen Mirren will be in an episode. Um, you know, Rosie O'Donnell was in an episode, and kind of just these people that we're going to get. But like, I don't know if Roy Scheider gets as much appreciation for the fact that he went. Like, he maybe isn't like when we we compare it to like Viola Davis and Mia Farrow, like a listers who have had a big career. Like he. Roy Shard is kind of only really known for Jaws. I mean, I'm not taking away from other things that he's done, but I think kind of, you know, when you're in a movie as big as Jaws, you're kind of going to always be known as it. It's kind of like, I guess, a Mark Hamill. It's not like he hasn't done other things outside of Star Wars, but he's kind of always going to be known as Luke Skywalker. But, like, yeah, like, he's a two-time Academy Award nominee. You know, he's been in things like The French Connection. Like, I mean, this guy is just a legend, and this was one of his... Um, very last, like, I mean, he was, he died, like, seven years later. Uh, but, I mean, he's still... Roy Scheider did? Yeah, Roy Scheider sadly died, sort of, in 2008, actually, not 2009, sorry. But, um, so, I mean, this is not one of his last ones. I mean, he did other things outside of this, but, you know, it was one of his, sort of, major last roles that he did. So, uh, I'm going to have just the utmost praise for Roy Scheider. And I remember watching this live, going, holy fuck, they got Roy Scheider to be on Third Watch. Because, like, Jaws is one of my favourite movies. I think it's one of everyone's favourite movies. It's an incredible movie. Um, but, yeah, just utmost respect for Roy Scheider. The fact that he goes from playing Sergeant Brody to, uh, oh, Chief Brody, whatever he is, to basically being this amazing villain 
who, again, on a show such as Third Watch, at this point, we haven't really had the big bad. It's not a show that needs an ongoing villain to this point. It's gone by enough without having to use this. But kind of switching focus into how this show will turn, the best villain, I think. If we were to do a rankings of the villains in Third Watch, which is a weird thing to say, given that it's kind of we're not doing, you know, 24 or something like that. Um, yeah, he, to me, is probably easily the best villain we will get in this show. Yeah. Yep, I mean, he was good. I mean, we'll also get... Who who will we get later on? Wycliffe? We'll get... Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons. <laughs> Gene Simmons. <laughs> Which, I, I shouldn't laugh. Like, I liked I liked him. Yeah, look, I will I admit, Gene him. Simmons, like, it defied my expectations. He actually plays kind of deadpan gangster man pretty well. And he's actually not that bad of an actor. Like, he does have his moments where you're like, holy fuck, like, what are you doing, Gene? Um, but, I mean, he's better than Wycliffe Gene. <laughs> yeah, really. Wycliffe Gene really, has his really, moments. Really. I feel like I'm ripping shit into these people, like, unnecessarily. Like, Wycliffe Gene actually does have some moments where he's actually, like, I will say, like, final episode... I decide, you know, when he's, like, yelling at Cruz before she does what she does. I decide! Yeah, like, actually does that pretty well. It's pretty, you know, whatever. But, um... Yeah. Anyway, we're getting so sidetracked here. But, uh, yeah, we we obviously look forward... (laughs) What else is new? We're an hour and 23 minutes into this episode, and we're trying to close it off. But, yes, how long are we going to go next week with Superheroes Part 1? Because it's such a great episode. Uh, Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe. We hope you're enjoying these as much as we are. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. We're everywhere we go. As I've kind of teased a few times in this episode, Amy Carlson, I mean, at least at the time of uh, listening, uh, this being released, that was probably about six months ago, that interview, and we've probably interviewed everyone else on this cast in between hand. But... uh, at least at the time of recording this, it has only been recorded a few days prior to this episode, so that's why maybe it's a bit fresh in our minds. So it's a great chat, and uh, of course, listen to it and leave us feedback because you love us. Uh, but we'll be back next week. My name is Ben, and you wouldn't believe how many compliments I get. My name's Darvell, and best paramedic in the city. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.